When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring in the Podcast. As always, I am your host, Luke Thompson. Today here with us is the Manhattan Mercury Sports Editor, Maine, Kansas State. Be writer over there, Tim Everson. Tim, great to have you join us. How are you doing? Hey, it's great to be back. Great to be back. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, we're recording this the day after Kansas State got a much-needed win over TCU. It was kind of fun how they were, were toying with them a little bit, it seemed like, and then just blew them out of the water at the end. But so that, you know, kind of the way that game turned out, though, allows me to ask this question. I know it, there's a lot of nuance here, but was Kansas State's three-game losing streak in conference play? Of course, they had the win over Florida. But the three-game conference losing streak, do you see that as more of just a function of the schedule and the difficult teams they were playing? Or the Cats were not quite playing up to their previous high level? I would say both are definitely accurate. I think that they're, I just don't think that they're mutually exclusive either. I think that because of how hard the schedule is, you know, there's going to be nights where they find a way to tamp down on Keontae or they find a way to get Marquise out of a rhythm or, you know, the bench guys don't bring it. And, We've learned that it doesn't matter who you are, for the most part, apologies to Texas Tech for, you know, the most part, if you don't bring it night in, night out, you're going to be sorry. And, you know, losing to KU and Iowa State on the road and then a very, very good Texas team, very motivated Texas team with a very motivated coaching staff, you know, those are all one, two, three seeds right now. I mean, they're legit big-time teams. And so while they needed to get this win, especially considering the TCU was 
hobbled a little bit. They didn't have Mike Miles. They had some other pieces that, that weren't 100%. Uh, yeah, so they need... not 100%. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. They needed to get this one, but it's just, it really is just another day in the Big 12. I mean, it's, it's just, it's tough. It is tough out there. Yeah, it is. And we'll talk more about that later when we talk about some NCAA tournament stuff. But, you know, kind of like, as you alluded to, I feel like, you know, when people talk about the Big 12, they talk about two tiers. And, and honestly, I think it's more like three because I think you've got the top six, the next three, and then Texas Tech is in its own tier. And in their defense, they've had a lot of injury issues. They've had some struggles. Like, you know, there's some talent on that team. But anyway, so back to Kansas State, I mean, Given that, you know, they played some tough teams and obviously, you know, they're still close games, but do you think that shook this team's confidence at all? Or are they the kind of team that was just able to bounce right back? It was very interesting after the Texas game because we've seen Tang after a loss. He's still himself, you know, shaking it off pretty quickly. You know, it's the Big 12. It's the hardest conference. Look at all the games that we won. You're not going to win out. We're just going to wash this one and move on. He, he said multiple times. After Texas, he was mad. He was pissed. He was the angriest that we as the media had seen him since he's gotten to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And he talked about after TCU game, how it was not a fun couple days of practice on Sunday and Monday. I mean, he talked about how he brought out a certain version of himself, a mean Coach Tang, if you will, that he said he only brings out every once in a while because it loses its effect. But it was no more Mr. Nice Tang. It was very much, we're going to get down to the basics. They got worked hard. They did rebounding drills, something you don't normally do over a short, you know, Saturday to Tuesday break. I mean, they were, it was tough. And I think that going into TCU, I think it really kind of got the focus back to where it needed to be in just kind of playing hard and kind of refining that spark that they had a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, another thing playing, I think, this tough Big 12 schedule and playing so many great coaches, too, is, you know, Kansas Johnson and Marcus Noel, clearly one of the best backcourt duos in the country this season. They've been great, but at the same time, you play that many great defenses, that many great coaches, you're going to have some weaknesses exposed. And we've seen that a little bit with their games. Let's start with Marquise. I mean, how concerned should we be about him, you know, committing 22 turnovers in his last four games? And it seems like teams are learning not only how to stop his dribble drive a little bit, but also to prevent the interior passing that he's so good at. Marquise, he's because what what we love about him is kind of how he can make the flashy play. He can make the pass that seems unreal. He can take the shot from the logo and make it, even though he has a guy that's a foot taller than him in his grill. (laughs) I mean, he does all this miraculous stuff. And I think we're now starting to see, while he still can do that, you know, he is a human. And they are finding little ways to kind of chip away at him. K-State's ball screen isn't as effective as it's been. And that's been part of the issue. Teams have really kind of honed in on that a little bit. And I think that now is the time for Marquise to kind of, and I think he has, realize this and start to adjust. And 
he's grown so much from when he first got to Manhattan and, you know, what they did with him over the summer that whenever, you know, the season started, people didn't really know what to do with this new Marquise Noel. And now they've kind of figured out some things a little bit and you got to change, you got to shift. And I know that they've talked about that and that's something that they're working on and they're big on film and looking back and watching stuff and kind of using that to drive changes and stuff. And so I I have no doubt that he's going to, that this isn't going to become a trend. I I just feel like he's going to, he is a smart enough player and in Tang and by association, Rodney Perry, who's running a lot of the offensive stuff, they're smart enough that they're going to see some of the things that the other teams are keying in on and they're going to make changes as things go on, as the season kind of comes to this last little home stretch here going into Big 12 tournament time. Yeah, you know, it reminds me a little bit of Trey Young in Oklahoma. They look so unstoppable, you know, early in the season. And I think it was Kansas State who really kind of set the standard for how you stop Trey Young and able to beat him. And then Oklahoma never kind of figured out after that it had a big downfall. But I think Marquise does have better support around him. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what's going to help. And I was gonna, anything. and I was gonna bring that up, and, and a big part of Marquise getting some of that pressure taken off of him is guys like Desi Sills and Tyke Green and Cam Carter being presence out on the floor, making teams you know guard them and pay attention to them. Desi and Tyke obviously had a nice, real nice game off the bench versus TCU. Cam's had a couple nice games over the last month or so. And so it's about Marquise kind of shifting and kind of finding what works, but also as those other pieces kind of get comfortable and and get acclimated, making K-State more multifaceted offensively in in the guard spots. That way it takes a lot of that pressure off of Noel. Yeah. Yeah. And while we're talking about Marquise, I think we got to talk about the assist. So obviously what he's doing very much unprecedented in Kansas State history. Broke the single season record already. Now, admittedly, the Kansas State single season record is only like, I was looking at it, but it's like 38th in the Big 12 or something all time. Yeah. Uh, and he might be on track, I think, to become the first K-State player ever to lead the conference. So that's cool. It is cool. And I, and I was just looking more into this a little bit, and I don't have the exact numbers right in front of me, but... Right now, he is outside of the top five career assists. He is, in just his two seasons that he has here, that he's had here, he's on track here. I think he has maybe maybe 40 more assists that he needs to get into the top five career assists in just the last two seasons. I mean, he's going to, I don't think he's going to get to the very top he's just i just don't think he has enough time but what he's done especially this year has been phenomenal and it is it's nothing that any you know k-state fan has ever seen before someone with that kind of command and part of that is i mean jacob poland scored so much he you know that just was he was he wasn't as much of a passer and so but i don't know i mean it, it really is when he is cooking like i mean texas baylor it's super fun to watch i mean yeah so fun and he is i was looking at some of the numbers and like where he could end up on the big 12 single season list and so you know k-state's got 
what, it's seven games left in the season, right? And he's averaging 7.8 assists a game. I think let, for, so, for simplicity's sake, let's go ahead and round that up to eight. And so I think if he, you know, you factor in at least one Big 12 game, at least one NCAA tournament game, he's going to easily break into the top 10. Now, what's interesting is Doug Gottlieb's, you know, all-time Big 12 record of 299. Right now, Marquise is 112 away from that. So if he figures out if he's 80 game, then you need 14 games to get there. 14 games exactly will get you there. The maximum number of games that K-State could play in the season is 16. So not completely out of reach. No, he know. has a couple, you know, 13, 14 assist games. I mean, we can... Mm-hmm. He messes, you know, they, they play three games in Kansas City. They play, you know, they get to the Sweet 16. Who knows? It's yeah. possible. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting. And so then, now let's talk about the guy who's giving him a lot of those assists. And that is Keontae Johnson. Okay, say his leading scorer. Now, the problem is we haven't seen him on the court as much recently because of his foul trouble. And, you know, some of the defensive foul calls... I don't know. A lot of that seems like sometimes it's called something that's not with the Big 12 refs. I don't want to get into that. But the offensive fouls are, are what's really concerning because a lot of those are very obvious. Gante seems to be sort of out of control. Teams have figured that out. He's going to drive down the middle. Somebody needs to step in and take the charge, and, and it's working. So what does he need to do to adjust? Tatum was asked about this after the game yesterday, and, and a big thing that he pointed out was Keontae's a good passer, and he's the willing passers as, as, as Ting said he may be feeling too much pressure to try to force those where instead like if you were to look up and look around there's probably open guys and then so that was one thing that Ting said they were going to be looking at over the next couple days is helping him see opportunities that he can become more of a facilitator in those moments where he's you know, get stopped short of getting to the rim instead of forcing his way in there, taking a second, seeing if he can find an open guy, seeing if he can make a play somewhere else instead of trying to run someone over. Having said that, you know, he's a big guy. I mean, he's a he's a massive dude, and I feel like he's getting punished a little bit because of that. I think... He, especially if he's trying to back down a smaller guy. I just don't know if he's getting that benefit of the doubt. Yeah, why did they uh, stop calling flops? It seemed like they were calling that a lot in the non-conference, and then they just gave up. Because it gets to this point of the season, and things go, you know, you have refs that are doing, you know, four games a week. Eventually, things just go out the window. And so, yeah, at the start of the year, it was like there's three or four flops a game or whatever, and there's been like one that I can think of in the last several games. So mm-hmm. and there's one right. in the KU game, I think. It may have been Texas. It was either KU or Texas. But yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous for him. But unfortunately, that doesn't solve anything, pointing out the fact that it's ridiculous. And so hopefully they can find a way to make him just more productive in that way. And whether it's a pass or whether... He stops a little bit short and just shoots a jump shot instead of trying to, you know, bully his way down into the paint. I don't know. I'm not smart and like yeah. <laughs> like K State coaches are, but it seems like they. I mean, they've definitely identified the problem and they're working on that specifically because they can't. It screws up. I mean, not only does it screw up Keontae to be sitting on the bench for 
over half of the first half in two straight games. But it also just screws up everything else for, for everyone. Because, it, I mean, you need that presence out there. You're counting on that if you're, you know, if you're Marquise Noel, for instance. If he's not out there, it's much easier to key in on him knowing that there isn't someone of equal threat as Keontae is. And so they got to get that figured out. They know it's a problem, though, and they're working on it. I am confident that that they're going to find some solution. Yeah. And really, Keontae is lucky that Bruce Weber's not ghost anymore. He would have been out a lot more in the first half. Yeah, he would have been. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so talking with these two guys, I think let's talk a little bit Big 12 Player of the Year conversation. It seems like Marquise doesn't get talked about much, but I feel like he deserves to. I mean, not only does he have the assists and just the way he runs the offense, but he's actually the Big 12 leader in scoring in conference games only. And yeah. So he's I mean, up there. And then, of course, Keontae is second in the league in scoring behind Jalen Wilson. He's fourth in rebounds. I mean, is it is it a two-person battle between Jalen Wilson and Keontae Johnson right now, or are there other guys in the conversation? I think so. And I think if you ask, I don't know, I think if you ask more people, outside of Manhattan. I don't know how two-person the battle is. I feel like Jalen Wilson, mainly because of how ineffective for most of the conference slate, the majority of his team has been. Yeah, that's You know, he's put up, he's had flashier games, although, I mean, the Texas game being an exception, he gets in foul trouble, only has, what, two points or whatever, and they still find a way to win. But just because of my knowing, having having to deal with, with with KU stuff, and if I had to put money on it, I would bet Jalen Wilson. <laughs> I just think that he has the yeah, yeah, the name recognition. But I think Keontae will need a little surge here. Yeah, if he kind of gets back into that rhythm where he's putting up twenty a game for four or five straight games, I think that he'll be right back in there. But it's interesting. I mean, it, and it's fun. I mean, I think Keontae's best argument is he's way more efficient. Like, he shoots 52% of the field, and Jalen's like 42%. Now, you know, admittedly, obviously, like you said, KU doesn't have a lot of other offensive threats, so defenses are a lot more keyed in on Jalen. He's forced to do a lot more, but I still think it's notable that Keontae's scored. You know, Was it pulling this senior year where was it Thomas Robinson won conference player of the year over Poland? Is that, that sound right? right? Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know. I would love it to happen. I think it would be great. I don't know yeah. who the last K-State because Barry didn't win player of the year, did he? I don't know. No. Who the last, I don't no, know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was Beasley. I don't know. But yeah, it's really. it'd be fantastic. And then yeah. they're both definitely deserving. And yeah. We'll, we'll have to see. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about the Kansas State's offense, it was interesting. I was, I don't know if you saw the story in the athletic where Seth Davis talked to, you know, a bunch of anonymous coaches or whatever. And and one of the things that the anonymous coaches supposedly said about Kansas State was that Naquan Tomlin is a weak link offensively. Yeah. I thought that was awfully harsh. That was, yeah, kind of a drive by on poor Naquan. (laughs) Now, I will say that he has not been super effective super impactful and maybe not effective but super impactful he hasn't kind of taken that next step mm-hmm. yet that you know we kind of saw flashes of against 
admittedly lesser competition earlier in the season. He hasn't shown that against the Iowa States, the KUs, the Texases of the world yet. I think that to call it a weakness and to say that he can't do that, I, I feel like is harsh. But he, ha- he hasn't been a world beater. He hasn't been. He was touted and national people tatters like, oh yeah, K-State has a big three with Keontae and Marquise and Naquan Tomlin. I don't feel like he's lived up to that to be, I, I feel like Desi yeah. has kind of filled that Yeah, that he's going to become the X Factor. He really has. And I I mean, he's so great to talk to. I, I, I love Desi. I think he's just a he's a winner. And that's what Thing says anytime you ask about him. But so he could definitely be better, but at the same time, Naquan's circumstances are so different and weird with the you know, little amount of basketball that he's played that I think that it's just going to take some time still. Yeah. And Desi, I mean, he's so tough driving inside. And then when he can hit that pull up three, like, how are you supposed to stop him? <laughs> he's, he's so good defensively. I don't know. He's fun. I don't know how Arkansas let him get away, but. Yeah. And the defense has been, it seems like, notably better these past couple of games. And to me, the biggest thing is just they're making teams one and done a lot more. They're getting rebounds, not giving up those offensive rebounds. You know, I know that was something that was discussed a lot, obviously, when it was a problem. What, what do you think they've done to correct that? I feel like a big thing that's helped David Gasson being back. Yeah. I mean, that's just he's so versatile and strong. And that's kind of the thing about Naquan and Bay Bay is that they're big, they're still pretty gangly, and they can get pushed around a little bit. And David can bang down there with some of the bigger guys. Eddie Lampkin, even though he was he was hurt, and, and Tank even was just like, that was not the Eddie that we saw right. in Fort Worth. Even though he made sure to clarify that, you know, having David Gasson down there made a difference because he ate this team's lunch in Fort Worth when they were without David. I honestly thought that he would be more effective than Lawrence last week, but I still think he's not 100% yet. He's still coming back. But aside from that, I think it's just effort. I mean, Tang has talked about rebounding, getting that one done, and just making the effort play and kind of getting that buy-in. And that was a big focus Going into the TCU game is just rebounding and really just toughness in general and being the tougher team, which they were not when they played Texas, but they were last night. Yeah. And that was good to see. So now let, I want to turn to a little bit talking about Kansas State's you know, tournament, where they're going to end up in the NCAA tournament, also like their Big 12 championship. So obviously they're very much still in that title race. First, we're going to take a quick commercial break here from our sponsors. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. So, Wilton, let's start with, is it safe to say that Kansas State is now a true lock where they could lose, you know, eight games in a row and still make it in the tournament as 1913-711 conference? I think so. I mean, I, I yeah. It would be weird. It'd be, it'd be <laughs> yeah. the weirdest thing that anyone's ever seen. Yeah. Uh, but I think that the wins that they have are some of the best wins. Yeah. Texas at Texas, Baylor at Baylor, especially Texas at Texas. That win, and especially how they did it, there may not be anyone that has a better win than that in the country. It's at least a, a, maybe like a top five win. And so that, they've done a great job of getting those high caliber wins that yeah i think dropping two to oklahoma not great losing to tech at tech not great but it is in lubbock you know losing to oklahoma state and Stillwater, not great but it is in Stillwater. so i mean it would be understandable but it would certainly be disappointing and it would yeah. be yeah. a lot of the shine would be off this season if that were to occur yeah no, that's not, that's not going to happen. We're not going to no. worry about it. But I think the big concern, though, as far as, you know, Selection Sunday and where the committee is going to put the Cats is definitely that non-conference schedule. And then I think the close games are maybe a factor, too. But, I mean, the, the big thing that I'm getting at here is that the net rankings and especially the Kin Palm numbers still have Kansas State way down. They're 16th in the net, and I believe they're around 25th in the Kin Palm. You know, how much do you think that's actually going to hurt them? come selection Sunday. I think that unless they go on a run here, if they end up third or fourth in the conference, which is kind of looking like where things are going to, are shaking out. I mean, things change every day, but it's looking like that's where things are at. I would say that they're probably looking at a four or five seed. That's not, not a terrible thing, but at the same time, that's also means well, that you have the... technology once had them up at two it seems yeah no i know and that's... One at one point so, yeah. and that's tough and that's to kind of let that slip away although i mean you go and you win in kansas city you you know you finish top two in the in the you know anything can happen and that's the thing it's so tough to because i could see tcu gets mike miles back and if eddie lampkin kind of gets back to himself tcu could went out and could win the, the big 12 tournament iowa state has won the big 12 tournament many times they're <laughs> known for that ku can get hot at any moment at any time and can return to you know themselves baylor feels like just a sleeping giant that we're just waiting for it to click with all of their young pieces and you know they just got jonathan john Wachachwa back and that's yeah. a huge thing for them. Oklahoma State is streaky and dangerous. Yeah. yeah. So it's you just don't know, and that's the that's just the maddening thing is that I making any kind of prediction at this point is just it's just so tough. Yeah. So K State, I mean, still in that mix. Realistically, six teams that still have a shot at the Big Twelve title, which is 
crazy this time of year. But I mean, for me, the two biggest games are going to be the Baylor at home and then at Oklahoma State back to back. Like you said, both those teams looking stronger right now. I don't know, any other games that, that stick out to you as one that would be crucial? Um, I mean, I think they still have Iowa State at home, right? Yeah. I would yeah, say it's been I, not very good on the road, so I'm less scared of that one. But and there's, the, yeah, they're still a talented team. So. It's you know splitting. If you can find a way to at least split with everyone, especially in the, like the top five, that'd be big. Baylor, it just seems like a coin flip, and then that also still seems like such an emotional minefield for Tang that you just don't really know how that's going to work out. Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State's big because they're not where K-State is, where they can mess around and lose six games here and still easily make it into the tournament. So they're still very motivated to close things out strong, so that way they are solidified in the tournament. And, you know, Stillwater's tough. It's a tough place to go play. But if I were to pick two that I would want to win... I'd want to win Iowa State. I'd want to win Oklahoma State. I think those would be my two. And then Baylor would be just yeah. just right behind him in three. Yeah. That's fair. And yeah, I mean, in my mind, like, the Big 12 champion is going to have at least four losses and probably five at this point. Like, it's just yeah. so tough. Wow. I mean, Texas still has to play KU another time. They still have to go to Baylor. They still have to go... Still one more crazy place they haven't been yet. But, I mean, it's... You know, I believe they're going to lose again. I think KU is going to lose again. I I mean, I just don't. I can't see anyone floating their way through here, which is why, honestly, K-State's in such a good spot. Mm -hmm. They don't really have. They've gotten a lot of the worst parts. Memorial games against the ranked teams. Out, exactly. KU is gone. Texas is gone. They don't have to go to Waco anymore. They don't, you know. The worst road environment that they have is Stillwater ahead of them. You know, Norman could be interesting, but they could have. Uh, I'm more worried about that. Morgantown last game of the season. That could be tough. So that's true. Could be and a that's true. They're, in, they're well. in a similar spot. Yep. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. So, and the other question for the tournament is you know, should Kansas State fans be getting their tickets for Des Moines? Now, it seems like probably KU, Iowa State, and Kansas State two of those three are going to be headed there, right? Or is there, is there another team I'm overlooking? I mean, I, I you know, you, you're certainly hoping that, that that's where you're going. I think you also have to look just in that region. You have teams like Iowa. You have Missouri. You have Arkansas. You have... I appreciate you including Missouri there, but they're yeah. not on that level. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not saying like, but as far as tournament teams that are in that realm yeah so illinois is right you know is right there so it'd be great i hope that they get as many of those teams in des moines as possible because that would be incredibly fun that's not going to happen though because that never seems to happen as a Mizzou fan, I gotta say, I would love to see a chance for the Tigers to get a second round rematch with Kansas. Yeah, you gotta see what yeah. can happen. I don't know if the committee would do you that. Gotta, you gotta redeem yourselves after yeah. after what happened. That was, <laughs> yeah. 
But you got it. You know, they have a road. But you know what's nice is that, like, when that happened, I was like, "Oh man, this is a reality check for this team. This is it's going to be a long season." And it turned out to be more of an anomaly, honestly, with the results they put together. Yeah. So yeah, that was good. But yeah. Anyway, back to Kansas State, though. You know, how do you feel like this team is structured to make a postseason? They always talk about you need good guards, right? And, and you got that. Yeah, those. The defense maybe a little shaky. You go with the defense wins championships thing. I would like to think that maybe the K-State's biggest weakness of, of the big men isn't one that's going to hurt you as much in the tournament, but I don't know. Yeah, they just don't – they don't have, like, an elite rim protector. Mm-hmm. Like, all of their big men are, like, above replacement or maybe, like, a little bit better. I mean, we're, we're not trotting out any Bruce Weber big men. <laughs> so, like, that's that's good. It's not like – I don't know. We don't – you know, we don't have to worry about James Love the third. Rolling out there, I'm not going to slander anymore. Those nice, those nice <laughs> gentlemen there, they've moved on. But and honestly, James Love Third, all the respect in the world for how the Silvio just used a chair situation went down. So you know, he's a hero. No, but I think that it's they have the pieces and they have depth. And as the TCU game showed, you know, I thought Tyke Green was dead in the water. I thought that he was just like, well, you know, they hit on all those guys. Had to miss on one. He didn't work out. He's going to just be riding the pine. And well, the, and, that, and that's okay. But he's a guy that can come in. And if they can get him to buy into the role that he was last night, which is rebounding and being down low and honestly being a four, even though he was a guard the entire time that he was at Stony Brook, that's a huge thing to have. I mean, to be K State's, I don't know third, fourth guy off the bench and to be able to come out and put up 14 and nine against the number 17 team in the country. Yeah. That's big time. For sure. For sure. All right. So getting towards the end, probably should let you go pretty soon. I know you you said it's basically impossible to predict how the rest of the big 12 is going to go. So I'm not going to do that, but I do want to ask you like how many big 12 teams do you think will slash should make it into the tournament? My personal opinion is that nine teams should make it in. I think that the league's just been that good. I know Oklahoma's maybe fading a little bit, but you know they beat the crap out of Alabama, and all those teams, you know, did some good things in conference. I, I think we're in an unprecedented year where the Big Twelve is just so much better than everyone else by all the metrics or whatever you want to look at. I think the Big Twelve should get nine, and I think the regular season champion should be the number one seed. No questions asked. I I agree. I do think that it should be nine, and I think it very well could be nine, depending on how things shake out. If Oklahoma is able to get a couple of some big scalps, including possibly, you know, K State's got two games there. That's two opportunities, and then they show that they can play with anyone. I'll go one step further. Obviously, with how things have gone this season for Texas Tech, you know, they I don't even know if they're in line to make the NIT. I think you have to even, you have to be 500, and I don't think they're, I don't know how close they are to that. They're right uh, around it. They're right around it. So they could be NIT. If Texas Tech were in any other conference in the country, they would be an NCAA tournament team. Yeah. I think that's fair. Actually, Tech is 12 and 11 right now. So they're oh, yeah. so they're... If they they, they got to get a couple more wins here, but they, they can... were fortunate to get a team that is nosedived even harder than Texas Tech. 
<laughs> also, speaking of our K-State strength schedule, not great. Yeah. Not great. Yeah, I but, think Nevada uh, is, well, Florida has an outside chance, but Nevada is really the only team on that non-conference schedule that's probably. Yeah, Butler, Butler's bad, too. Yeah. That's, yeah. That was just, honestly, that was a, that was a team that wasn't ready for the road, having to go to an actual hostile yeah. road environment because obviously they didn't get that at Cal. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think that there are 10 NCAA tournament caliber teams in this conference. And Texas Tech is just a couple steps lower than everyone else. And they've had injury trouble. And that's why they, they have the record that they have. I mean, this is the just the craziest. And I feel like we've said this every year. But you know what? You know, they don't have a K-State the last couple years in, in this conference. They don't have a TCU five or six years ago. You know, no, this is top to bottom. Just fantastic. Great basketball. Turn on any game. It's a, for the most part, <laughs> just an absolute dogfight. Sometimes you, you get some stinkers in there. You get a West Virginia beating Oklahoma by 30. K-State almost beating TCU by 20. But that's mostly a good game for the majority yeah. of the run there. But it's crazy. I mean, it seems cliche at this point, but it's really all that you can say. Yeah, it is. It's, it's been fun. And I'm glad we've got you out there covering the cats. So, you yes. know, Tim, people can follow you at I am Tim Everson on Twitter. Uh, check out themercury.com for, you know, all the sports, KSA sports coverage. Anything yes. else that you want to promote? Any particular score stories or anything? I mean, nothing. Check out a recap of the TCU game. I know that our baseball slash women's basketball slash preps beat writer, Zach Deloach, he was at K-State Baseball Media Days today. Okay. I know that it is February freaking 8th, but <laughs> baseball's right around the corner. So we're going to have some stuff for that later this week. And no one covers baseball really on the K-State side to the level that, that the Mercury does. We try to have someone that at least every home game that we can. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. subscribe. K-State was picked to finish not last and ahead of Kansas this year, so that's a win. Not last. <laughs> you know, hopefully they get their pitching worked out. Yeah. Because they're fun. I mean, they were they could hit the cover off the ball last year, but I'm excited. I'm hopeful that they get it figured out because I like Pete Hughes a yeah. lot. And yeah. I worry that another basement-dwelling season like that another disappointment could mean some changes i mean there already meant some changes last year he had to yeah do some shuffling around of staff but i feel like we're kind of reaching a put up or shut up type season yeah. for him yeah. so we'll have to see yeah yeah thanks for that. well tim thanks for joining us i appreciate yes, it yes thank you luke thank you for having me it's always great this is i don't know how many times yeah. i've been on here i think it's at least been four or five since i was yeah, a yeah. little your collegian little days. collegian writer so it's been great <laughs> all right so yeah